Get Pucked. Welcome everyone to the Get Pucked podcast, episode 12, I believe. Uh, Matt, Dave, and Vito here with you. And uh, as always, we're going to dive right into it. Gentlemen, a lot of interesting things this morning on this Thursday morning. Uh, A couple things I'm going to throw at you. I just want to get your takes on it. So first and foremost, probably the most important thing that we read this morning was Norlander is going back to Sweden. Uh, So I'd like to know what you guys think about that. In addition to Primo being called up, so what's going on with that? Montebo from Ducharme's own mouth said that he's going to get some games. So what is happening with the carousel with the goalies right now? Um, even uh, Byron and Price seemingly are going to be practicing with the team uh, very shortly. So just what do you guys what do you guys think of this? Vito. <laughs> um, I mean, I said it a couple of a couple of episodes ago. I I honestly think that Norlander should have gone back to Sweden when that first tweet came out or the reporter had stated that he he wants to go back home at that point. I mean, there was nothing positive going on in Montreal, and he was only playing anywhere between seven and nine minutes a game and getting no power play time. So I'm all for it. Let him go. I know some people would say that they'd rather have him more accustomed to the, get, got more accustomed to the North American ice rink. I get it. But for Lunda, I said it before, is a, uh, is a good team. Um, they're a winning team at the moment. Um, and I, you know that he's going to go there. He's going to get top four minutes and he's going to get top P- power play minutes. So send them there. It's fine. As for the goalie carousel, I mean, it's, it was a bit weird. The first thing that came to mind, my gut instinct at first is like, Oh crap, is something going to happen? Then I had to kind of calm down a little bit and, and think about it. Okay. Um, with Carey price practicing and apparently he's in phase three of his rehab, um, maybe he's a lot closer than we think. Uh, at the same time, Jake Allen's been playing a lot of games, maybe giving him a break and keeping him away from from everything yeah, but, for now. But why Primo then? Why not go back to Montreal? Primo's been playing like, well. He's been doing well, so they're probably rewarding him in that way. And maybe, who knows, maybe Jeff Gordon wants to see what he's got with Primo. Maybe he wants to see if Primo's a little <laughs> more ready than I was going to say, you know? is it really a reward to bring him up to play for this Canadiens team right now? He's but doing it's always, so well in Laval. Well, let's shatter him. Yeah, but hold on a second. It's always a reward, right? I, when they, when a AHL player comes to the NHL and could earn NHL money, it's a reward. All right, money. I mean, you good. you can look at it that way. So uh, I mean, I would see it that way. Um, at the same time, hey, uh, who knows if behind the scenes he's getting some offers for Jake Allen, and maybe he wants to see what he's got. I'm thinking Monty is going to end up being on put on waivers, but then you know Ducharme comes out and says, hey, Allen's going to back him uh, back up Primo tonight, and Monty's going to play this weekend. So very confusing. Um, yeah. There might be something behind the scenes we just don't know. Dave. Yeah, as for Norlander, we'll, we'll, I'll start there. I mean, um, I was uh, all for sending him back to Sweden, definitely. But then, um, you know, they were able to send him to Laval after December 1st, right? And I would have liked to see him stay in Laval. I think that uh, I'm not a fan of them going back home, especially if you could play at a pro level here. Um, I think he was going to get the ice time that he needed in Laval, and I would have liked to see him play there uh and and you know keep them close to home and see because as as much as Furlanda is a good team fine but how how good is the opposition how good is and, and you know the bigger ice surface it all plays into an effect i really really think that i would have liked to see him here and um that's it you know i would have liked to see him rack up the minutes in laval and keep him there for the whole entire year it would have helped laval it would have helped the rocket it would have kept them intriguing uh, in terms of a farm club and also it would have you know helped his development, I think, a little bit more than sending him back to Falunda where, you know, he's used to it there. I, I don't know. I, I just would have liked to see him stay. Um, as for the Primo development, I, but he, uh, Dom Deschamps said after the game in Pittsburgh, 
he's tired, man. Drake Allen's tired. He's been shouldering the load. He, he didn't come here to play all these games. And now that he's playing it, he's tired. He gets ba- basically no rest because Montembeau is not a good backup goaltender. So they just play Allen nonstop. And uh, I think that that's it. It's just the case of, hey, Primo's going to come up. He's going to get a couple of games. Jeff uh, Vito said it well. Jeff Gordon's going to have a chance to see him at the NHL level, see what he, what he has to, to offer. And, you know, why not give him a, a couple of NHL bucks at the same time and reward him for, for his good play in Laval? <clears throat> and then, uh, fine. I, the, the puzzling part for me is Montembeau. Why would you even start him on, on Saturday? Or well, and, and that's that's the main thing I was going with. It just seemed like such an odd thing for him to say. Unless if, like Vito was saying, the first thing I read was, okay, well, does this mean that they're protecting Allen to not get hurt or not use him too much because he's on the move? Like, it was just it was a very so. odd thing for him to say. I don't think so either, but anyways... Uh, I I do think we're going to see some more interesting things. In the I remember games. when you guys when you guys laughed at me when I brought up I'm surprised Monty didn't play on a Saturday night that now he might actually be playing on a Saturday night. Which, by the way, I'm not questioning what you guys said. I agreed with you back then when you guys said it on a. Well, he like, said in the agreed. upcoming few games. He but didn't say to, Saturday. And also, to be honest, did he say that before they called? I mean, after they called the Primo, or did he say that before? Because maybe no, he it was in the same. I think it was, it was in the it same was, release. It, it's no, well, Primo coming up, and he said comments about Montembeau. It was during the Duchamp uh, conference call. Okay. So he yeah, it was around is all the same time. Speaking of comments, speaking of comments, moving on just quickly here, uh, because it's been the talk of the past few days. Uh, Jeff Petrie made some pretty, I don't know, incendiary remarks after the game, uh, the Pittsburgh game, I believe. Um, which most people took out of context. They just took the one little piece that he said. But but overall, that that was pretty jarring what he said. He said, you know, even sitting out and looking from up top, uh, it didn't look like the team has a structure. That and, that and then continued to say that, but the guys should know what they're doing and they also don't seem to know what they're doing out there. The, the whole thing is, is really, uh, you know, uh, an awful situation. But the comments that he said coming right after the game, like that really stirred some controversy um, you know, on social media to the point where I think even Chantal Maccabee, I saw a tweet of hers. She listened to everything he said, and I believe she she tweeted out something to the effect of, um, "This sounds like a guy who who wants to leave Montreal. It sounds like he's kind of he wants out." Maybe. What do you guys think of this? Is th- like, does does his comments put a bigger spotlight on himself, on the team, on Ducharme? Uh, is this just the 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 words of a frustrated player that that just you know is is doesn't know what else to say anymore. It's been 30-plus games. It's the same thing every time you're asked the same thing. Uh, is there more to it than that? Or is this just like, you know, a guy who's who's pissed? All hey. of the above. I think it's all of the above. I think that, yeah, he's pissed. He's. I mean, how can you not be pissed? If you're if you're a professional athlete, you're playing, you care about your team, and you, you've won six games in thirty out of 30, of course you're going to be pissed. Of course you're going to be angry. Um, I think that his words were taken out of context 100%. I think it was just a frustrated player who's been asked the same thing over and over. You know, you, you shove a microphone in these guys' faces over, they're eventually going to say something to that effect. And I think it, it's not to be, like, scrutinized too much uh, in the sense. And he probably does want out of here. Who the hell wants to stay here for the next two, three years where, you know, it's going to be tough going? He probably does want to work his way out. I don't think that was why he said those words. I think he said those words just out of frustration. You, I mean, have fans are frustrated imagine the players you know how frustrated they are and, and he's probably frustrated with himself too because he sucks he sucks he's been sucking all year who knows if it's for injury or whatnot but he sucks yeah. so so he's probably frustrated himself frustrated his teammates frustrated at the whole thing and i don't think it was a shot at the shot at all whatsoever 
uh, Dom Shum did address it the next day. Said that they uh, addressed it internally. So maybe Dom Shum thought. It but was it Shum. merited it merited them to talk internally. Well, because though. that's because he brought up the the whole structure, right? And this, this is something we've brought up on a couple of episodes now, including even the last one with Julian, where we're like, "What is the structure? What is the system?" So maybe sure. he's calling it out. For sure, but you know the Canadians have a very strict. Uh, PR rule of never saying anything of interest to anybody uh, and try to bore the media to death. And that's, yeah, but that was, you know, that, that was at the Bergevin era. Things might have changed now. Maybe. I think that's a Jeff Molson thing <laughs> to keep things as boring as possible, not to uh, rock the boat. But, you know, it's just, um, I don't know. That's it. To me, it was just a frustrated player and it, it just so happened to, to shine the spotlight exactly where it needed to be and, and start a good conversation and hopefully um you know it doesn't we can move on from this and that's it but i mean there, it did raise a good question on what the hell the system is you know uh, what's the system nobody <laughs> knows what the fuck the system is nobody nobody can tell me what the system is and i can't seem to figure it out Dushan doesn't know what the system is he's just there let him collect this at 1.7 million okay when it comes to jeff petrie it's a frustrated player for sure you can tell the guy's got two points so far this season this is Yep. way below his average he's not he's not performing at the level he wants he might be playing with an injury and you know what i'll be i'll say this if he does want out he's not really helping his case he's to not get help, out. i was just gonna say like if he was if that was the the thing there he wants to be traded like god damn he he's not out, I, I mean there's two ways to go about it right you could pull like dubois did before he got traded and like barely wants to play he's just floating on the ice the thing is, is that jeff peach is not floating on the ice there's something wrong with him and yeah, maybe the structure is not helping and the players are not supposed to be where they're at and, and whatever the case may be. And maybe that's exactly what he's trying to call out on. It's maybe not just the coach, but it's the players. So, some of the players so there too. let me let me jump but in. How you, even, even the structure, think about it. You have Ducharme came in. He's, he's tried to instill whatever his system is, whatever his structure is. Right. And with all, the, with all the injuries that have happened, you have all these young kids from Laval and all these people from Laval that also don't know that system and are trying to learn it along the way. So... Well, someone brought up a really interesting point, and it comes back to the system, right? And I, I read this earlier today, too, where if you go back to early last year, in the beginning of the season, the first part of the season, when Claude Julien was still around as head coach, Jeff Petrie was in talks for Norris contention. He was off the charts. Then you can actually market the moment Claude Julien was fired and Dom took over, not to say that Jeff Petrie became the big piece of ass that he is today, because I don't know what's happening today, but he, his decline started. And this is probably trying to adjust to the coaches putting in and implementing his own way of, of wanting his defenders to be. So could it be that Jeff Petrie is not broken, doesn't have anything wrong with him? It's not anything in his head. It's simply he is desperately trying to appease a coach and a doing, doing a particular system that he just doesn't do well. I don't know if that's the case because he, he wasn't this bad last year, right? He wasn't this year bad. No, clearly. So I don't know. He's if never that's been this bad. I mean, maybe you can have a dip. Maybe you can have a, a little bit. But to be this bad and to blame it on the coach and the system, I, I don't know, man. Like, I think that's that's reaching a little bit. I mean, definitely, maybe it could affect him, and, and maybe you know he's not he's you know less happy or less whatnot. But to have this significant dip in play, I don't know. I don't I don't know if I believe in that uh, in that narrative for sure. All right, I I do I will say this I do think that if Claude Julien or Terry were still there and not that I want them there let's make them make that clear I think the Montreal Canadiens overall would be having a bit of a better season. 
Yeah, okay, bit. that's fair. That's 100% fair. And I'm not saying that that's not the case. I'm just saying that I don't think Jeff Petrie's play, you could just point to Dom Deschamps and say, like, that's oh, I, Yeah, I don't think it's 100% on the coach. I do believe it's a lot to do with the system, but obviously there's something up with the guy. Maybe he just got overloaded too much, taking on too much of, of the, the number one defenseman position here, uh, and it just caught up with him. It he could was never be. a number one guy. He should have never yeah, been a number filled, one guy. Yeah, but he filled, but he had he was to be a guy, guy here. He was a guy, yes, temporarily, and I said this also in the past. He was okay being a temporary number one, knowing full well that Shea Weber was going to come back. He was not okay, and clearly is not okay, being the go-to guy. It just, it he's fucks not. me up to think that you, that, that with only two points on the season and playing as bad as he's been playing, this all stems from him knowing that what the responsibility is on him. Like, like, is that really what we're going to go with? That Jeff Petrie is putting too much pressure on himself and that's why yeah, he's only got two points. There's also another – the guy's 34 years old. Man. Like, I, I mean, I hate to bring this up. He got like, old overnight? I don't know about that. Not overnight, man, but like – his play was down before, even even last season. He wasn't, you know. I think he was always overrated a little bit here in Montreal, and I think that that's a maybe a hot take or whatnot. But I, I think that he was always, everybody always thought, oh, the Norris Trophy talk and stuff like that. Like, are you kidding me? He has flashes, sure, of great games, but to call him a Norris can, a perennial Norris candidate or anything, I don't think so. What well, I don't know about perennial, but Not at the beginning perennial. of last I mean, still, season, still, the first quarter of last season, he was a Norris Trophy. Can he still got question. 42 points. He still know. got 42 points in 55 without games. Question. Season, right? It, it, he, it's there's one thing to dip a little. This is a fucking nosedive. Yeah. It's a nosedive. It's two points in 26 games, and there are two assists. He has not scored yet. Yeah. And I, I wow. honestly, the only thing I can say, shoot a puck from the from the blue line through 14 bodies. Well, I mean, the only you know. thing I can say is that. And I, I want to believe this. He's not fully recovered from the Stanley Cup run. Maybe. It's December. So? He's, they've been playing how a lot of hockey. He, how long does it take to recover? That's I'm sorry. That's when a 34-year-old comes into play, man. He's old. He's older. He, he's, he takes time. Oh, I don't believe man. that theory either. I just I, I, don't know about I strongly believe. I just think that his play is, is – that's you're going to be seeing – maybe not – A crash like that, Dave. Not the new Jeff Petrie. But it's, uh, it, you know, I, I just think he's he's all he was always overrated. I think in Montreal, he crashed oh, harder than Shea Weber, and he's not even playing. Ouch. I mean, technically, he's only two points ahead of Weber on the season. So, you know, let's be real. Okay, and, 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 just the points, fine. But he's just off. No, he doesn't look good either, hard. admittedly. But I want to talk about somebody who has been looking good, admittedly, not a current Montreal Canadian, but a former, um, Charlie Lindgren. Is four and zero in St. Louis. Now I know Bennington is coming back. I know he got out of COVID protocol. I don't know what they're going to do there. If they're going to keep riding the hot glove uh, with Lindgren, or if they're going to get Bennington back in, or what's happening. I'm just curious. I mean, obviously it was you know forefront. He played the Habs, and 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 you know St. Louis beat beat the Canadians. A big surprise there. But he used four. He's four and zero. So my question to you guys is. What is it, maybe particularly about Charlie, that is, that he's having so much more success in St. Louis than he did with the Canadians? And moreover, why does it seem that every time the Habs give up a player, they flourish elsewhere? What? What? Why is that? Okay, well, I'm going to give you guys a little secret. Jordan Biddington, who everybody loves, and you know he he went on that cup run. He's not a very good goaltender either, and he, he puts up good numbers in St. Louis because they're a good team. They win games. That's what it is. It, they, they have good defensive uh, players, and they have a good, 
you know, system, if you want to call it that. And no matter, it doesn't really matter who their goaltender is. They don't need to carry price back there because they don't let up a lot of high danger chances. Charlie Lindgren is a goaltender. Okay. I, I wouldn't say a good goaltender. He is he an NHL goaltender even? I'm not sure. Maybe he could be a backup one day somewhere. He's not going to be a starter. I don't think anywhere from what I've seen. Um, he just fits in in St. Louis. That, that's what it is. Jake Allen fit in for St. in St. Louis for the longest time as well. Um, did he though? Did he though? Well, well that, that's another discussion he, he about did. Jake it just, Allen. Yeah. That's another discussion about Jake Allen. All right, but, but <laughs> he did. He did because he racked up. If you look at, at Jake Allen's record, it was always good. He always lost those, those clutch games in the playoffs, but his overall record yeah. was good. Yeah, it's so, like they'd ride him for a while, and then Brian Elliott comes back in. Then you Brian Elliott for a while. Then it's Jake Allen again. Anyway, but yeah, go ahead. No matter who St. Louis had, I mean Ryan Miller, Yaroslav Halak, you could go through the list. They all, all the goaltenders, you know, they rack up the wins or they rack, they, they play well because they're a good team. It's a different, like when Charlie Lindgren played in Montreal, they were not a good team or they were a team that, you know, had a lot of defensive Uh-oh. collapses. And okay. as for your, as for your take on, on players leaving Montreal and doing better, I think that's a little bit not the truth. I, I don't know. I, I don't believe Alex Galchenyuk didn't necessarily do well elsewhere. If you go down the list of players who, oh, Jacob De La Rose is going to leave. He's going to be great. He kind of fade out. They all fade out. They, they do well for a while. And that's the thing is that they do well and the spotlight's on them, right? I mean, Charlie Lindgren won four games with the St. Louis Blues. Spotlight's on them in Montreal. Any other market, there wouldn't be a spotlight on them. And then, you know, when he eventually falls to four, two, and one, is that really that good? What if he gets to, what if he goes eight? No, though, like, you know, the, the spotlight follows, but for a reason, I get your point. I'm, it's not in every case, but I, I think a guy's like Lars Eller leaves here, goes over to, to the capitals and but, like, he's not great, yeah, but, but, yeah, but you know, yeah, but he's doing better. Or Radulov. Lars Eller was surrounded by a good team. Also, you know I mean? it's, so it's not about the players. You guys are saying that these guys are fortunate. They're leaving bad Canadians teams and going on good other teams. And essentially okay, their success is attached to the success of the teams. Lars was here and he was expected to be a second line center. He was expected to be, he was always asked too much of Lars Eller. Everyone was always critical. Lars Eller now is playing in Washington on the third line. He does, he's not, you know, they have a, they have Backstrom, they have Ovechkin, they have Kuznetsov. They have a million other players to do the roles. He's not a score, goal scorer here. Because he was traded for Halak, he was a first-round pick. Everyone expects him to be. Is it safe to back. say, then, that the Canadians might have a problem with miscasting their players? Yes. That's not safe to yeah. say. That is a certainty. So, so how do you guys see the Habs going about addressing that if it's so glaringly obvious? What do you want to see them do to fix that? Well, to, it would be to really evaluate their pro- – and, and that's why I said a couple of episodes ago, I said that they have a problem with um, pro scouting. And a lot of – you know, you guys kind of like raise your – oh, no, the pro scouting is good. They can find By- uh, Paul Byron and stuff on, on a bargain. But I think they do. I think they really have a problem with pro scouting because they get these players and they're ready, they, they're ready to put them up in the second line, first line. They all play ahead. Look at Christian Dvorak playing ahead. Everyone plays – ahead of where they should be in the lineup because they're so overvalued for some reason by this department. They need to look at what they have and, and realize that, you know, players fit in certain roles and you have to fit them into that role. You can't just get Jeff Petrie and expect him to replace Shea Weber. You can't. You can't get Christian Dvorak and expect him to jump up as a first-line center. Even Ryan Suzuki is not a first-line center, at least yet, not yet, if you want to. Nick, Nick Suzuki. Nick Suzuki. Nick Suzuki. Ryan Suzuki? Said Ryan yeah. Suzuki. Oh, yeah. sorry. Nick Suzuki. Not, not that you're wrong, but we assume you mean Nick. <laughs> yeah. But, okay, but you know what I mean? It, it's just 
they always they have to evaluate their in-house talent and their out-of-house talent. When they go get these players, they need to evaluate them better and slot them properly into the lineup. This team needs to take a serious step back so that they can move two steps forward. They, that's what they need to do. It's enough. We, they keep getting these players that they think are, okay, we're going to grab this player. And you know what? He Maybe we're going to hit uh, strike lightning in a bottle and he's going to become a second-line center. Maybe this person's going to be the number one goalie. Maybe this person could be the number one defenseman that we're looking for. No, you're acquiring players that literally are not suited for the role that you're desperately in need of. That's the problem. But don't you think they do that because ultimately this fan base refuses to let their team be bad? Well, I would have agreed with you a couple of years ago. I think now we're at the point where teams would be okay with with uh, teams fans would be okay with a rebuild or with go, taking the step back, as I'm suggesting, so that as long as it's communicated to them. But you're, you're they're portraying this this message or they're giving out this impression as though. We're going to go for the Stanley Cup. We're going to make the playoffs. And, you know, for the longest time, uh, Bergevin had said and Jeff Molson, we're going to get in the playoffs and then we'll see what happens. And sometimes yeah. that worked, sometimes it didn't. But it had to stop because now we got to the point where even when we made the playoffs, it was, you know, people are starting to say they only made the playoffs because of COVID. And so be it. The rules were applied to everybody and it is what it is. But it's enough. Yep. You have to take one step back so that you can build enough of a team, have a cupboard that's full enough, and have the type of depth that a Tampa Bay would have so that – you can not only be good for one or two runs, but be be good for about ten years. Well, that's it. even I, I, seven years, if you have to say. I think I think Vito hit on that. I think it's a product more of Mark Bergevin and not being the best general manager, not being able to put a team together. He didn't want to overpay for that center. It's not PlayStation. It's whatever you you, you know you, you they don't grow on trees. No one can you know you see and then you look at the list of centers that were traded through first line centers that were traded throughout his ten year tenure here, and you realize yeah they are available. He just didn't want to overpay him, and that's why a lot, it bothers me when people say Mark Bergeron was a great risk taker and this and that. He wasn't. He always settled for the safe bet. He, well, Dave, to be, fair, to be fair yeah. to him, to be fair to him, some of the centers that were available in the past, even if he wanted to pay, he didn't have the assets to to throw. I, mean, I think he did have assets, man. He did have a lot of assets. You want to look back at Ryan O'Reilly? In the end, it was Ryan O'Reilly who didn't want to go to Montreal, too, from what was okay, rumored fine. out there. That, that's right? another issue in, in itself. But we're picking out one player here or one player there. I'm saying during his entire tenure, oh, he'll okay. settle on a safe bet that he likes, and, and then he'll force him into the lineup, and they play ahead of where they're supposed to be playing because he doesn't want to trade that first-round draft pick. He doesn't want to trade that top prospect to get to the next level of player, next tier of player that he needs to get. And that's truly what I believe. As for Charlie Lindgren, I, I didn't get to say anything on that one, but I will say this. Um, Go he's for hitting, it. He's hitting the prime of his career. That's when he's 27 years old. So he's, he is hitting that, that peak. But remember, there will always be Andrew Hammonds of the world coming in and having a, you know, a great moment, a great season, and then just totally disappearing the following year. I feel like you had that in your back pocket for a while, and you're like, finally, I get to use the Hamburglar. <laughs> Finally. Okay. 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 So, but you guys are starting to touch on it and essentially it's a lead into my next question, which is more so about like as fans, right? Like not even yourselves, but like as the general fan population out there of the Montreal Canadiens, watching them lose every night over and over again is super disheartening and you can very easily lose motivation to even watch these games. You might just check the news the next day and be like, oh, Habs lost 5-3 again or 5-2 or 6-4 or, or what am I saying that? They don't score four goals. 6-1. So I, they could do that. So what, what would you as fans 
be looking for now from this team until the trade deadline? Like, do you want to see the kids given 20 plus minutes a game? Do you just want to see an exciting product? Do you just want to see it entertainment and you don't care at all who plays where and what? Just show me good hockey. Like, what would make you happy and at least somewhat enjoy the Canadians I, up until the trade deadline? Because after the trade deadline, I assume everything's going to go and get blown up. I want the reality to settle in for some people. I want them to play the kids that some people overvalue and say, hey, these are like, he's going to be the next first line winger or the next second line winger. They're great. And watch them actually play rather than seeing a couple of YouTube clips and really judge at that point whether this player is the type of person that they think they is they are. So that's one. And two, at this point, what I'm getting... Hold excited, on a second. Hold on a second. Maybe it was me. I, I don't even... What did you just say? Okay. There are... We, we have the tendency of overvaluing players here in Montreal. Fine. Yeah. Right? Okay. So yeah. I want fans. I would love for them to see all the kids that we have that they, you know... Um, overvalue or think that, hey, we can get a second-round pick for this player or a third-round pick and actually see them for who they are rather than actually going based Okay, so on the you're, fact you're that. answering my question in a backwards way. You're talking yeah. like, what do you want the... F- no, no, I'm saying as fans, what do the fans want to see? So you think that they should see like the kids play at the top level to see what you truly have? Is that what you're trying to tell me? That, and at the, okay. pretty much that. And at the same time, okay. certain veterans, we know what they're going to give and we know what they do. The Toffoli's, we know what can Toffoli, what Toffoli can do when he's on his game. We know, so I'm not excited to see that. I'm now, I'm, I'm at the point where I'm trying to build up that excitement for trade deadline, for the draft, and I'm getting prepared for that next phase already. And I actually, I'm not gonna say I don't want them to win, but I would like them to at least be a bit competitive, see some kind of spark every now and then. Yeah, well, I agree with that. I think that, um, I mean, like, they're still selling tickets to these games, right? They're not giving away these tickets, right? And people are paying $100, $200 for tickets and coming to see them play absolutely terribly. And that's not right. That's, you're not putting a good product on the ice. So in my mind, first off would be to be exciting. I think that happens when you carry price, once carry price returns. I think you're going to get a little bit more value for your ticket and a little bit more value for your money. And you're going to see a little bit more exciting brand of hockey because Carey Price will make the saves and be the superstar that he's paid to be. And... I think that will translate a little bit more in the players being comfortable and a little bit more goals. And as I said, they'll be a little bit too good to tank all the way down to the top. So you're going to start seeing a little bit more wins as soon as Carey Price gets isn't it? Isn't that the shittiest thing, though? Isn't that just an awful fact of life that he's going to come back? You're going to get on one hand so excited, Price is back. And and like let's also hope that he doesn't get shellacked, huh? Because I don't know what the storyline becomes if Price comes back, plays five games, and looks horrible in five games and lets in like six goals a game. Like I don't even know where where the media is going to go with that, but let's I say think, for I, argument's sake, I think I think the, the the leash will be a little bit longer on price just before what he's been through. But well, I, I, I would hope that. so. I would hope so. But that would be that would be like literally the end of the world. I think if no, that happened. But uh, he comes back and he wins right. some games and is competitive. Fine. Yeah, Dave's, Dave's right. right. The le- the leash will be a little bit longer. They're going to leave Carey Price be. They're going to let him play, and at the same time, they're going to true fans of both the sport and the team are going to look and say. He's on his own again, but he's on his own even more than he's ever been. There's mm-hmm. nobody in front of him defensively. So, so, but, but, okay, and and that kind of you you bring up something in my head that I, that I kind of also wanted to talk about. We're talking about a trade deadline coming up, and we're talking about trying to unload as many assets as possible. It's unfortunate that Tom Foley and Anderson and, and and not that Anderson potentially might be gone, but whatever. But all these guys are hurt, so like you can't even really showcase them. And what they were showing you before eh, wasn't all that great. So. As much as it's a rebuild, let's say that's that's what's coming. 
do do you think the GMs are going to look at what they used to do, at what they did last year, at like what they should be doing, or do, are they going to really look at Jeff Gordon and say your team is ass? They're all playing like shit. You want you know a first and and a whatever pick for for so and so? Look at him. Look what I'm going to get with this guy. I'm not giving you that. Is he still going to pull the trigger and just try to unload it so that you can get contracts off, or do you think he'll hold back these players because he's not going to get the true return that they're worth on a normal season? I think that he's going to try as much as he can. Look, I think that the NHL doesn't really work on the whatever you like. I, I don't think that people will look at Tyler Toffoli and, and pay for what he's worth today. I think they'll, they'll know what Tyler Toffoli brings to a roster. I think general managers are smart enough to understand that. Now, will they try to gamble and, and relation well, and, uh, you know, negotiate a little bit more with Jeff Gordon? Absolutely. I think that that's going to be the case, but I don't think that the ass is going to come down like ridiculous amount, right? I think that you're going to get what you're going to get for these players. And if I were Jeff Gordon, I would pull the trigger. I think that Mark Bergevin was probably the type to be like, oh, no, I, I need a third-round pick, not a fourth-round pick. Forget this deal. You know, I, I really truly believe that uh, Jeff Gordon, it's in his best interest to first unload these contracts and second, get value in return. So I think that, um, you know, if you're just waiting for Tyler Toffoli to turn it around or if you're just waiting for these guys to turn around for next year, you're going to be wait. You might be waiting for a long time. Look at the injuries. Anything could happen. Yep. I yep. think you got to move. I think you got to move and you got to do it. Uh, and maybe you wait to the, to the you know, the offseason and the draft and whatnot, and that's fine. But I think, you know, by the end of the summer of, of next summer, you need to have a frame in place and you, you need to see a lot of movement, I think. At the end of the day, there's going to be – the administrations of any team is going to be sitting down together, come come close to trade deadline, and they're going to be like, what is, let's say, Tyler Toffoli's example. What is Tyler Toffoli? And they're going to say he's a 20-goal scorer. He's a good guy in the room. He's a good, he's a, he's a teammate and so on and all these other qualities. And they're going to just look and say, okay, or, you know, there are far worse players that have fetched a first-round pick, and we're going to probably have to trade a first-round pick for him, whether it's a late one or whatever, or have some kind of package that works to acquire that person if we feel he's the player that's going to help us out in the Stanley Cup run. And that's what's going to happen. And I, Dave's right. It's not necessarily what have you done for me lately. They're going to look at the whole body of work and, and maybe the last couple of years and be like, okay, he's still young enough to be able to, to contribute. It's not somebody who's fallen off a cliff. I mean, look, we tra- what did we trade last year for to just to get somebody like Eric Stahl? And he was like at the end of his career pretty much. It, it's it's You're going to see if Jeff Gordon truly decides at this point that they're going to go on a rebuild and trade deadline is where they're going to unload certain contracts and certain players that maybe – some fans don't want to see them leave, and some fans are going to come to the ter- come to terms with it. You're going to see a couple of first round picks or power B B plus level prospects or whatever the case coming our way. So, so when when people online say something to the effect of like, "Oh, he's tanking his value. Oh, it's been 30 games. He's been playing like shit. He's a minus nine thousand. Like all this stuff." So that tank, really won't make a big difference. Tank, no, I don't say they're tanking the value, but they're hurting it a little bit. Like a guy who's going to come in and negotiate and say, you know, for example, Jeff Petrie, they're going to look at two, a couple of things. Yeah, we know Jeff Petrie, what he's capable of if he's nicely insulated on a team. But at the same time, they're going to look and say, he has over $6 million. He's 34 years old. He's only got he two, got two points. points. If I do take on a Jeff Petrie, am I going to be stuck with him for the next four years? Well, that's it. I th- I think it does. There, there's there's a certain way to play it, like right. So Jeff Petrie definitely tanked his value. I think that no one's going to come in here and, and bid high of Jeff Petrie because he has so much money and so much term left. I don't think that that's going to be a thing, a smart move by a general manager. If Ben Sherrod, for example, would have started the year as a la Jeff Petrie, I don't think we'd be talking about getting a first round pick for Ben Sherrod. So there is such a thing as tanking your value. There is, it it exists, but. 
for guys like Tyler Toffoli and, and, and who are just having, you know, you, you could just see they're just, they're not tanking, but they're just not playing up to their potential. They're not putting up the points that they're supposed to. I don't think that that's going to affect really. I think it's if, if someone really, really changes the perspective, and especially if they're a player in their mid thirties or, or stuff like that, I think that would give pause to the general managers. A and like more. somebody, Somebody like Tyler Toffoli, when you look at his cap and all that, another general manager is going to look and say, "Hey, even if we're stuck with this for another two years, it's digestible to take on." You know so, I mean? how it's many of these, bad. how many of these trades are going to have to require the Habs to retain salary? The majority? No, no, I would say no. no? I, think, I think you're looking at price, a Gallagher trade that and would probably Petrie. retain salary. Those are the three. Who who would you say was the last I, one? Petrie. If they're going to, I don't think Petrie's going to get more. These are the players that I say either get moved with retained salary. Or it's going to be a problem for problem type of trade. It's the three, two out of the three players that Dave just mentioned, and Jeff Petrie. And at this point, you're going to probably have to throw an Armia in there. But Armia again, Armia again at three and a half million. Some player, some teams might be like, eh, it's okay, it's three and a half million dollars. Maybe Montreal to make it easier will say, uh, we'll we'll hold we'll hold back, you know, retain five hundred thousand. But I, I doubt that. What what? What the hell would Yoel Armia bring to you? <laughs> I would not touch Yoel. I mean, a couple episodes ago, we were talking about how he would be like a like a a guy that you can go after. He's a he's a worker. I mean, granted, again, his play lately has been lowering his value because you asked me a couple weeks ago, I'd say Yoel Armia could get you something maybe pretty decent as a fourth liner going on a team that he. Well, can that's be the problem. Away. I still beautiful. think he's being miscast. I think he should be on the third line and not the fourth line. And the third, and maybe that's one of the reasons why he's a bit discouraged is that he's 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 on the fourth line. Albeit he must be happy with the salary he's getting on the third on the fourth line. He's way but he too should. inconsistent. He, it's not has nothing to do with happiness or not. He's just so inconsistent. He's a player who just disappears for way too many long stretches. And if you happen to trade for him, and his long stretch of disappearance happens to be for eight games in the playoffs, you're screwed. I just I don't see Yoel Armia really. Okay, uh, let me let me yeah. let me ask a question. How? If you if you can think of how many first round picks, or A to B plus B plus level prospects, do you think Montreal or Jeff Gordon will be able to acquire by trade deadline, if any? One. It's a good point. I think so as well. I think in in season, I think you're going to get a move for Ben Chirot. That's not it. Else. Maybe Tyler Toffoli, but even then, it might be in the off season. Yeah. I think the majority of what's going to happen to this team, the big changes are going to happen in the offseason. As much as it sucks because it gives me something to look forward to for trade deadline if if all kinds of pieces go, but then who the hell are they going to ice? They can't okay. just take draft picks back and have nobody to go on the ice. Bold prediction coming here. Oh Bold boy. prediction. Oh my, okay. Montreal's going to come out. Seven to- first rounds. Let's no, go. Two more first rounds on top of what the one they already have for a total of three. So, so who's gonna go? Who? So besides Sherrod, who are you getting a first for? I'm suspecting that Toffoli is going to. And I love that, like we're assuming Ben Sherrod gets a first round pick. I'm There's not- no way Ben Sherrod does not get you a first round pick. Then you do not trade his ass. Okay, that's. I think that's David cool. Mother F Savard got, got first, first round picks last year. Mm-hmm. Last year, not even a long time ago, in his pro- like prime, whatever Dave Savard's prime. Learn from year to year, man. I think they learn, and that's why you see dips in the trade deadlines, and you see trade deadlines where nothing happens. It's because of things like that. People oh, see another team overpay for David Savard and say, "Hmm, do I want to overpay for Ben Chirac? And maybe they reduce the assets. It's not that David Savard had any real like 
like, you know, force in the overall winning of the Tampa Bay Lightning, but the fact that he did go to the team that did win the cup, I think plays a little bit in favor can, for uh, them throughout to get a can, first. Can somebody like Jake Allen fetch you a first? He ought to. From an Edmont from an Edmonton or uh no. he, if you're gonna Colorado? he ought, like if you're going for him and it's not price, he ought to. Yeah. Guys. Guys, when's when's the last time I asked the question. I'm not saying you should. When's the last time a backup goaltender was traded at the trade deadline for a first round pick? Name me one instance ever. Name me an instance where a starting goaltender was traded at the at the a trade deadline for a first round well, pick. We're in uncharted territory. When was the last time a team was literally going to dismantle itself before the trade deadline? Tons of times. Tons of times it's happened. Full on dismantling. They they want to sell everything. Of course, man. You're not going to trade Jake was Allen. Ya- could, could Yaro Halak have been the last goalie? Yaroslav Halak was traded for Ryan Miller. The, it's straight up. It was it was Yaroslav no, Ryan Miller. No, I'm talking about the, when Montreal traded him. Montreal traded a, him in the offseason. Offseason. It was the offseason, right? Yeah. Okay. At the trade deadline, Roberto Luongo has been moved, okay? But Roberto Luongo was moved for, like, Jacob Markstrom and Sean. Yeah, it was swapping goalies. I agree. I don't see Jake Allen moving. But if he does move, he cannot not fetch you something like that. Then you last keep him. The first-round pick to go was Ben. And the last big starting goaltender to go, or or not even – he wasn't even a starting goaltender at the time, was Ben Bishop. And he went for Corey Conacher and a fourth-round pick. Like that, it's 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 not gonna happen. Jake Allen for a first round pick, unless a team is extremely desperate, unless a team lost its starting goaltender and and they're screwed for the year, I just don't see it, man. And there's other options other than Jake Allen. You could go get a Jonathan Quick. You could go get other goaltenders around the okay, league. Okay, so so then what happens if Price does come back? Price is prepared to move, and you do the all the bullshit you need to do to retain salary. You're telling me Carey Price is not gonna net you a first? Oh yeah, of course. I didn't say that. Yeah. You no. said no goalie no. has ever been traded for a first. You're not. You're kidding. Okay, okay, you no, hold on a second. You weren't listening. He said no backup goaltender. I, I, no, I think he said no goaltender. Period. I said, I, I said no goaltender. Okay, but that doesn't mean there's not present. Obviously, if you're going to trade a carry price, you're going to first. Okay, round I was just but making I, sure. I, I was curious to know if it, this is a goaltender oh, rule. Dave, that they don't 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 say you guys. I asked a question. That's all I did. Jake Allen for a first, it's it's a great in theory, and maybe there's a th- look. It crazy off season happen. Can it be off season? Okay, I again. Trade a first round pick for Jake Allen. Would you, if you were the Habs, would you trade a first round pick for Jake Allen? Well, the answer is no. The, the yeah. question no. is, do I have Carey Price or not? Yeah, that, that, <laughs> like, is, my ba- is my situation? Is my goalie Montembeau? Is my yeah exactly. Fine, Carey Price is gone. If my goalie's Montembeau and Primo, I might have to do that if I'm going to start the cup run. Pick for, 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 well, am not, I going not, on a cup run or is this the off season? Like, did I lose all my goals like you said? If no one else is available and I have no goalies. Okay, hold on a second. Allen's been playing pretty well too, by the way. Wait, wait, time out. Time out. Dave, do you trust Koskinen on a cup run? No, Koskinen's a terrible goaltender. Well, exactly. So a team like Edmonton is in desperate need of a goalie. They're not going to trade a first-round pick for them. I'm not saying they will. I simply asked a question. All right, your question is duly noted. My last question for you guys before we end our segment here, just what your feelings are about this. We were talking, I know the whole thing with Ovechkin, he's still breaking records left, right, and center with the power play now, all-time power play goal leader and everything. Do you guys prefer a record be put in place and survive for like decades. And like, you can always talk about it. Like no one's ever going to catch Wayne Gretzky's point total. Like it'll never be done in the million, million years. Do you like that? Or do you prefer when you can watch someone go and bust a record? 
So I prefer long records, and I'll tell you why. Because if the record's broken every year, who the hell cares? It's not really a good record. If the record the gets broken answer. every single year, I don't give a shit about it. That and is the correct answer. The, the, it, it's special. The reason Ovechkin's record uh, chase for this record is special is because no one thought it would ever get touched. The same thing with Joe DiMaggio's hit streak. The same thing with Doug Jarvis's even, who looks like it's going to happen with Phil Kessel, his 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 Iron Man. The Iron Man, yeah. It, it, it's it's records like that that you're like, oh, it'll never happen. And once people start to sniff it, it becomes exciting. And obviously, once they pass it, that'll be the exciting part. But I like records that stay forever and ever and ever. I like dynasties in sports, and I like records, long-standing records. Or else, what's the point? It, it, you know, in the NHL, like people always ask if you like dynasties or not. If 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 every 32 years, 32 NHL teams win the Stanley Cup, is that really special? That one? you're just waiting for your time to win the Stanley Cup. But if the Edmonton Oilers win eight Stanley Cups and you finally dethrone them, that's worth more to me. That's why I think that long-standing records and long-standing stuff is really important in sports. I, I can't even add to this because he's right. Yeah, I know. Every player looks at something on a on a personal level. Oh, right. The the ultimate goal in the NHL is to win the Stanley Cup. But if you're that talented and you're that kind of a caliber of player, they're looking at saying, okay, what record could I possibly be? It's a milestone for certain people. It's an achievement. It's something that puts them in the history books, not forever for certain players, right? So, I mean, Dave said it well. I can't add to it. I can't add more to that. And- and right. then, then you have uh, team leagues like the NFL, where it's like the most uh, the most touchdowns thrown on a Tuesday morning at eight thirty-five. I mean, yeah, no, I'm talking, I'm talking like the big dog records. I mean, right. even, I mean, you can play the stat game for all these other things. It's fun to see it every now and then, but those aren't records. No, no, big dog records. You know, most goals, most assists, most points. You know, things like this that they're pretty cool. Um, and, and, you know, as much as I would love to disagree a little bit just to have a different point of view, no, I, I am of the same mindset. Give me long-standing, decades-old records and then eventually let them be broken. Let a significant period of time so that that buildup is there. And I think that's truly why this whole thing with Ovechkin is so, uh, is so fun for today. Yeah, and, and another good example of this is how excited was Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa when they were chasing Roger Maris? It saved baseball. Okay, it saved baseball. How yep. much less exciting was it when Barry Bonds broke that record a few years later? It was it it, it, it was great. It wasn't the same. Yeah, it wasn't the same. And that's yeah, it wasn't the same. Is that it, it's when you break a record that's two years old, it's not the same as breaking it years old. I agree. I agree, gentlemen. On that note, I thank you again for your very uh, well thought of answers, well articulated for the most part, and. Uh, For everyone else, uh, this was uh, episode 12 of Get Pucked. We thank you for listening. Please like and subscribe wherever you are listening to us or viewing. We really appreciate it. And we will be catching you uh, in the next one. Thanks very much. Peace. Get Pucked.